should not believe that. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mom Treading Water. I am very, very excited today to have one of my most favorite people and probably one of the most patient people I've ever met in my life, Angela Tillotson. Full disclosure, she is my nurse practitioner. She is the only person who was allowed to adjust or regulate any of my insulin, and even my kids know that. Um, Angela, again, you are like the most patient person because by the end of, the, of your day, I would be ready to lose my mind. Not true. Not no. true. Yeah. You're a pleasure. You're a pleasure. You're a pleasure. Angela, I love you. Um, so, and I do want to give another disclosure that if folks have listened to the episode, Fire That Doctor, I will include that in the show note links, that Angela is mentioned, not as someone to fire, is exactly as the really the epitome really of the importance of having a relationship with your medical provider. Um, I'll give a little away. One of the things that I talk about, as, as you heard, Angela, is that there was a time I was having symptoms. I think I was bruising and I was tired and I was like, don't worry about it. And you were so funny. You were like, no, <laughs> you, I mean, it was really actually, it borders on comical almost because you're like, no, those are symptoms and we need to talk about that. Yeah. So friends, yeah. I know it's not always easy. You know, there are so many factors, insurance, geography, resources, whatever, but that's the relationship I truly think as a patient that you need to have with your, with your medical providers. So Angela, phew, what an introduction. Um, <laughs> welcome. And thank you so much for doing this today. I, oh, thanks for having me. It's my so pleasure. I love that episode so much. And I remembered it sort of in the recesses of my brain, but it was fun to hear it from your perspective because it's always kind of a nice surprise when your patient in the process of validating your patient is fighting against the validation. <laughs> 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 no, no, it's not a big deal. I'm like, no, actually it is a big deal. It's okay to talk about it. Let's hash this out. Let's pick that scab, get right in there. Yep. Well, yep. You, you, you did. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt. I always, I always feel heard. Um, but before we start to get into that, one thing I was going to, I would love for you to do is if you could tell folks what the difference is between type one diabetes and type two diabetes, even if you want to go into gestational, whatever you think is best, because there's huge misconceptions about diabetes. Yeah. Yes. I think um, for simplicity's sake, most diabetes cases can be divided into those two categories. So type one versus type two. And um, type one diabetes probably still accounts for less than 10% of all the cases, um, which again, I think sort of fosters people misunderstanding or misconstruing what exactly is going on in my world, of course, because I see so many patients with type one diabetes, I think that statistic sounds underrepresented. Um, but in the majority of cases, we categorize diabetes as type two, um, which in general means that this person is making insulin, but their body is not using the insulin correctly. So you have an organ in your body that's called the pancreas, the pancreas among many different, um, processes 
does produce this hormone called insulin. So when your food is being digested into tiny particles, all of that um, enters your bloodstream. And it's that insulin that the pancreas is secreting that you want to find all these little molecules of food in your bloodstream and get that insulin to bind to those molecules and suck it into your cells for energy. Um, and so for type two diabetes patients, basically there is some mechanism where the insulin is being made, but it's not being used properly. And that typically comes from a state of insulin resistance, we say, where maybe the person is um, over their weight. Um, and if they lost a little weight, their insulin would work better. Mm -hmm. In type one diabetes on the flip side, it's um, a condition where the person is not making any insulin whatsoever. And we've tried to steer away from calling it um, juvenile diabetes, um, and that's usually what people recognize as the earlier terms is that somebody was born with a pancreas that didn't work. Um, but what we know now is that people can be diagnosed with type one diabetes later in life. Um, yeah, the antibodies for type one diabetes can be present and just be latent for many, many years. Um, but in general, it's this immune system response, um, where these antibodies are made, we don't fully understand why. Um, but that's what renders the pancreas from stopping insulin production. So really it's a, it's a very, um, it's a very different case of diabetes. Those patients with type one, as you know, have to be on insulin. They cannot not be on insulin. Um, for type two diabetes patients, sometimes they do need insulin or over the years, their pancreas could start to make less insulin. But in general, those are the two types. And then we do have some other conditions that can occur. Um, there's some other subcategories. And like you mentioned, gestational diabetes um, is a condition where a mom um, who has no preexisting diabetes can have um, insulin resistance or their um, pancreas producing insulin, but the hormones of pregnancy and the placenta are blocking how that insulin is being made. And in those cases, um, for pregnancy, it should go away after pregnancy is the hope if it's not pre-existing. Well, and so, so to help also clear up misconceptions. So, and I can only speak to type one diabetes. Unfortunately, I'm not as educated about the others. Taking cinnamon every day is not going to stop you from having to take insulin. Doing a dance to the insulin god is not going to stop it, right? Dancing on a rainy day is not going to stop you from, is not going to cure type 1 diabetes. Is correct. that correct? Correct. And um, I think another good point that we try to talk about in visits, which doesn't always happen at the family Christmas party or the, you know, reunions or the work meetings is that you didn't do it. So it wasn't that somebody saw you having a slice of birthday cake and it's like, oh yeah, she caused her type one diabetes. That's not it at all. It's not linked whatsoever. It's just, it's just kind of stinky luck. Yep. It's, it is, it's just stinky luck. That's yep. what it is. Sometimes it's in families and sometimes the person is the only one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, yeah. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause mm -hmm. I know that, and I'm in some other type one groups on, on Facebook and people get so frustrated when other people like if you just would do, you know, diet and exercise. And if you would yeah. just do this and just do that. I mean, yeah, it's not the disease for judgment because if everyone was perfect, because none of us are, Lord knows I am not your perfect patient, mm -hmm. that no <laughs> one would be obese, right? 
a lot of people, their type two diabetes, they would, would maybe wouldn't need as much. There's just so many other things that would, you know, would be better. No one's perfect. Right. It, it, it is as much as I consider myself very blessed to have you in my life to help me with this madness that is type one diabetes and be able to have medical care and get the supplies I need. It's still, uh, it can be a little pain. I mean, sometimes right. it's not, you know, people don't understand that you can't eat without making sure your blood sugar's in check or you have to take insulin. Exercise, sleeping, if you get sick, mm-hmm. if you're a woman, or I, I don't even know about men, but hormonal changes. Mm-hmm. Again, the wind is blowing southwest. There you go. Chance some can mess something up for some reason. Yeah, it's frustrating. And I think, um, yeah, totally, totally validating that sometimes two exact scenarios cause completely contradicting results. So people say I ate the exact same way and I carb counted that exact same thing. And I took the exact same insulin and I didn't exercise or I did exercise. And yeah, what I always say too, is it's not a character flaw, it's data. And so we're going to just crunch our way through that data and try to adjust anything we can adjust. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely something about um, certain chronic conditions. And I would put diabetes at the top of my list anyway, that really can make people feel bad about themselves. And they are a lot of work. It's just a lot of work. And I don't think, um, you know, people without diabetes, they may not stop to think about how many things you have to think about in the course of your day that they don't even pause at all to even consider. Um, Yeah. And that's sort of like my passion for this work. That's actually why I got into it. I mean, I really do feel strongly that there's not a lot of chronic conditions that demand this much from patients. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I guess that's a great segue is that you are so compassionate about that and you're so understanding. And so it's getting us there to talk about provider and patient relationships. You know, one of the things that I, again, I talk about in Fire That Doctor is it, it's taken some time, but uh, you know, I, I have a great doctor. We love our, the love the pediatrician. I've unfortunately had a couple of not so great experiences mm-hmm. and it's like dating. They can be a good person. You can be a good person. Does not mean you're good together. So I guess from, from taking it there, look, maybe we can start with when you are looking for someone for yourself or for your family in healthcare, what are, what are the things that you, you look for as, mm-hmm. as a mom, as a patient? Yeah. I mean, I would say probably the biggest thing I'll pick up on immediately is if the person is listening So if you have an interaction with a provider or anybody, I mean, I guess these are like typical people skills. So if you meet somebody and they're talking over you or um, they're not really giving you time to answer or pause or ask questions, I think that's probably my, my number one is, are they 
showing signs that they're actively listening. Of course, in this you know world, we are all on our computers. So I know I struggle with that, that I have to do some of my charting and some of my information gathering during my patient visits. I have to do some of that typing. Um, but does this person look like they're listening to me? Um, so I would say how they first come in the room, how they first present themselves. Are they asking an open-ended question? How, how can I help you today? Are, are you here for anything in particular? What's important for you in the time that we have allotted? Those go a long way in setting up the visit for like feeling like it's going to be positive. So I kind of look for cues like that. And then as the visit goes on, you know, are they looking more at the computer? Do I have any eye contact from them? Um, I feel like that's really important. And um, I think even just at the end, the recap, you know, I know that, again, we have to move on to our next person. We, are, we have patient schedules. We're moving along throughout our day. You know, we're glancing at the time and we want to make sure we're not keeping that next person waiting. But are they just stopping to say, did we get it all? Do you have any other questions? Um, even if you're just, you know, standing up, hand on the door, like, how are we feeling about this? Are you good? So I'm not saying all of those things have to go perfectly every time, but certainly when I'm meeting somebody for the first time, um, you know, I'm looking for those things. And I actually, I can think back to a couple of exceptions where I was seeing a specialist myself for something where you could tell this person really did not have great bedside manner. They weren't making eye contact. <laughs> they were, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you really probably would have been running out the door, but they were expert in their field. And I, I kind of heard the reputation going in. So I was ready. I had my list. I wanted to make sure I didn't get rushed out the door. Um, and right at the end of it, I was able to crack a little joke and I could see that, you know, he kind of smiled like, hmm, you know, like she kind of got my number kind of thing. So, I mean, anything that you feel like you can connect. And then, like you said, on fire that doctor, if you don't have a good feeling, trust your gut. There are other people to see. You are not stuck seeing a person that's, you know, somebody who's not making you feel like you're a priority in that very moment that you're their only, that that's, who's got your attention. They're your only priority at that moment. And you know, it, it, it that's interesting that you make that comment because it is one of the situations I talk about is that when I was getting my eyes checked from a, a previous ophthalmologist, he had a student in the room. Now, let me be clear. I, I used to do grand rounds in a previous job. I used to work with residents. So I have no issue with that. I know the importance of it. But it's 20 years later and he's going, can you see that? Can you see that? Come on, can you see that? And I'm like, what, what? freaking out? I'm like, what are you seeing? And he's like, you can wait a minute. And yeah. that was the first time in my head I've ever said, fired. You are fired. How dare you? That's rude. You're always inconsiderate. This isn't it this isn't a first time thing like done. Mm -hmm. No, we both no. have six-year-olds. Can you imagine if you heard your child talk? I mean, I've stopped my six-year-old before and said, oh, 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 that didn't sound kind. Let's think about, I mean, yes. you really want to think about reprimanding somebody who says to you, you know, stop. Like, what do you, like, this is actually my visit, my body. This is really weird. You know, and he yeah. could have taken an hour to look at my eyes. He mm -hmm. didn't have the response. It mm -hmm. was just, I'm like, I'm like, not a cadaver here, not a cadaver here and seeing everything you're doing. Uh-huh. I so, know. That was I just know. a... Yeah. I remember another example as a student, I was in a room with a provider um, 
And I think I had started the visit. It was one of those situations where I was in charge of like going in and taking the history. And then I had to go get this particular MD to come in afterwards and kind of do the visit with me as somebody who was still learning. And the patient went to ask a question and the provider put his hand up and said, no, I'm talking. I literally wanted the floor to open up and just swallow us both in it because I I felt mortified on behalf of the patient. But also for me, I'd had this beautiful conversation with this lovely lady. And then I went in to get him and this was her interaction is him interrupting her saying, no, I'm talking. So yeah, I mean, those kinds of things, um, they're, they're sad. I mean, it's really sad. And I don't feel like again, we have choices. We should be able to move along and pick up our medical records and choose somebody better. Right. Someone, yeah. absolutely. Someone who's going to be that match that you can be honest with because exactly. Come on, let's be honest. I'll, exactly. I'll, most patients maybe don't always tell the truth or I know like there've been times in my life, even before I used to see your colleague and he unfortunately passed, um, which was a very great loss to, to obviously both of us. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, know I lost my train of thought for a minute. Cause I started thinking about, it. I'm sorry. I know. I know. But, mm-hmm. but I was, but I was always heard. And when I had to make that change to Angela, I, I'll admit I, I had some hesitations and I remember you talking about one saying, I tried to be like him because the glass is half full. You're always, mm-hmm. And really, I, I can't express this gratitude enough of how grateful I am is that every time I come to see you, I never feel judged. I never feel like I'm being scolded or when we're looking at numbers, you're like, this isn't a report card. This isn't a report card. That's mm-hmm. like your favorite thing to say. Mm-hmm. Or the other thing that you always say is you're like, well, my type ones. And you can feel and you can tell that you you take ownership on that. Like you take that seriously. It's not just uh, another patient that you take vitals or that you measure their insulin. You, and I, I mean, really, truly now I'm like getting choked up again. I, folks, that's what people need because I don't know, this is just my opinion. If you're mm-hmm. always feeling like you're being treated poorly or that you're being scolded, like you're a child or being told all the things that you're doing wrong and that you pretty much are, you stink. Are you ever going to go back to that person to get the help that you need? No, because who wants to be treated like that, especially as a grown adult? Right. And there's a lot of patients in your particular boat who long before meeting me, those are their stories. They remember being scolded. They remember being judged um, and, you know, things being asked of them, like, why would you do that? Why would you eat that? Why would you, I mean, why questions in, in, general, just make people defensive. If you ask somebody why anything, you know, it just puts people on the spot. Yeah. It's my, it's probably one of the biggest compliments for me to feel when somebody says, um, I haven't told anybody this, or I almost didn't come today, or I almost didn't mention this because I mean, truthfully, what an honor to be able to be trusted to take care of somebody. I mean, this is somebody's life, somebody's body. I just need to listen. That's step one is just listen. Most of what you'll learn in an exam room will happen from that history taking. They're going to give you the information. It's not 
you know, necessarily laying hands and doing physicals and finding physical findings, they're going to tell you exactly what's going on. Maybe they don't know they're telling you, but they're going to give you the information. And it's those puzzle pieces that you can put together. And it's okay to say you're not sure, or let's look this up together. Um, but a lot of the time, that validation can go a long way. People just need to feel like they're heard. And that's like the biggest compliment I can get is if somebody says that, you know, they're, they weren't sure they were going to bring that up, but they're glad that they did. That's just, that's amazing to me that somebody felt that comfortable to do so. You know what? Me right here. Absolutely. You know, if folks have listened to previous episodes, I may or may not have had issues in the past about being perfect and everything had to be right. Everything had to be on point. And I, I don't even know, I think having kids kind of got me that they're like, everyone's not perfect. It, it, it's okay. It's okay right. not to be, but that that's been me. I used to always think that if I went to an appointment and I didn't have perfect blood sugars, if I, mm-hmm. you know, if I didn't lose an extra five pounds, if I didn't, whatever, I wasn't exercising as much or mm-hmm. I ate a piece of candy that, that, that I, I can't go. Cause I can't go until I'm perfect. But when reality, it's probably the exact time you need to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I will admit that I know people in medical professions have different styles. I mean, there are going to be times where somebody, maybe it's useful for somebody to say, you need to do this. You need to be like this. You need to make this change. I think, you know, as very evolved beings with, you know, just amazing brains, it's not necessarily in my world, a huge motivator to order somebody around. So I've learned a long time ago and taking lots of different psychology type courses where you really want patients to be able to do it for themselves and figure it out for themselves and help them set those goals for themselves versus being that dictator that's just telling them this or that. They've already, like you said, they've already felt bad about maybe something not going perfectly. So I really want to be um, a guide in some sort of way to, to help them through this journey. And it is about keeping people well and preventing bad things from happening versus me sitting there and saying, well, because you did that, now you're at risk for this, this, and this. That's just completely judgy and scoldy. And that's not what brings people back and makes those relationships. No, it, it doesn't. And the truth is it chances are people know that already. I mean, exactly. I know all the things that can go wrong. I don't need someone else to tell me again. It's not going to make I mean, exactly anything. It's going to make my anxiety go through the roof. It's probably going to raise my blood sugar. So none of that is help. <laughs> exactly. But, exactly. I mean, I know there's been times though, that I've had to hear, listen, the, this is what we're concerned about, but your approach is always so is so positive and you're not trying to make people change everything about themselves right away in one like one second doing that you have to do all these things at one time because I mean my opinion and I know for myself you try to make all these huge changes at once it's nothing is ever going to stick yeah that's sweet of you to say yeah I mean I think too that you know over time 
I've realized that you can only do so much in one visit as well. So I think, you know, my type A personality sometimes has to check that a little bit that, you know, now we've already gone over X, Y, and Z and, you know, maybe take a look at your audience. Maybe your audience is a little bit full on the information that you just went over. It's okay to pause button and say, we'll pick this up next time. You know, you're, it's not about my agenda in getting all of these things done. And that's the other thing too, is that, you know, in healthcare, you have to be prepared for some bit of unexpected. I'm, I'm in an outpatient setting. So I'm seeing patients not in a hospital, but they'll come in and there'll be a curveball. And it's not on my list of things to tackle today, but guess what? You got to be flexible. And this is what's most important to them. And if you don't try to tackle what's important to them, you're also not going to get anywhere. You're not moving forward. You're not helping them be healthy. You really have to make sure that you're meeting that person halfway. And I do think I will admit that, you know, oftentimes not to get too philosophical, but sometimes I wonder, I've oftentimes wondered, you know, did I pick a certain profession um, based on things that I studied, based on things that I did, or was I always destined for a role like this anyway? Because I do think it takes um, a particular type of empath to feel and absorb um, and do this kind of work. And I think, you know, I feel, like I said, I feel very fortunate that I get to do it. Well, you're amazing at what you really, (laughs) truly, I mean, honestly, last time I, I saw you, I was like, oh, like my blood sugars haven't been as tight as they were in the past. I know I gained a couple of pounds and I was like, you know what? This is why I have to go. Like I have to almost say it out loud to myself. I know it's Angela. Why, why am I being weird? I, yeah. I have to go see her. I'm like, she's not going <laughs> to judge me. I'm not going to be grounded. I'm not in trouble. Like, yeah. I, I absolutely need to see her because it, it it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Yeah. Well, I think you're amazing. And I think it's good that you're, that you're also able to express, you know, some of that negative self-talk that goes on because it's so real. I mean, it's not that you're even doing it consciously. You're probably just saying to yourself, oh, I'm dreading it. I don't want to go in. I've been bad. I, you know, I use that example a lot in, in our talks too. Like just even using the words good and bad, like, how are you today? Well, I've been bad. I'm like, oh, well, this wasn't designed to be a confessional today, but (laughs) what happened? You're not a bad person. (laughs) But I mean, it is how you can feel like, oh my goodness, I ate a cupcake and I didn't take enough insulin. I'm bad. You're bad. Or there's bad food or bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. it's just not, but I will tell you your approach. And this is why I was so important for me to have you on is because I think if people have never had that experience with the provider like that, they don't know that that's really, I don't want to say the best way, but it's kind of the best way. Like you know what I mean? If you feel like you're constantly being judged, who wants to yeah. be judged? Yeah. No yeah. One. No, I know. And I, and I do feel like for anybody listening to that has, especially a chronic condition that requires a lot of maintenance, maintenance visits and checkups and things like that. Yeah. You really want to find people that you click with. And I think it's okay to also remember that the people that you're seeing, even though they should be well-studied and credentialed and have all their degrees, there's still people with different personalities. So find somebody that clicks for you. Dating, just like dating, (laughs) just like dating, right? Exactly. Y'all can be good. Doesn't mean you're good together. 
Right. And you can only read so many reviews online. And of course, you know, word of mouth. So when you ask, you know, friends and family, you know, who they're seeing for people and specialists and things like that. I think you mentioned on one of your other episodes, another specialist that we had to like fast pivot and 180 and get you in to see somebody else. And sometimes, you know, you're so far along into something and you're not really realizing like, oh my gosh, again, trust your gut. Is this not going well? It's okay. It's okay to break off and do a pivot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I really truly have have to, again, say my, my gratitude because I, I, I don't think my, my diabetes would be in the control that it is. It's not clear again, let me say not perfect, but I'm definitely not having the lows that I used to have. And I, I really do need to thank you for that because it is, I mean, obviously you're extremely educated about it and your compassion and your understanding. It, it really, it's. It, well, you're making me blush. I will take the compliment, but I'm going to tell you, take it you it's all you, you um, have to live it every day, every minute, every second. And as much as I can try to walk in your shoes and be your guide, you're, you're the one that's still doing it. So it's all the praise right back on you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But, you know, I guess that brings me to my, probably like our, our final, I'm keeping you forever. No, you're good. One of the things that I love that you do is you stay current. You're, you're always current, you know, Mm -hmm. you, so do you go to, do you go to seminars? Do you, is it just your own individual research? What are the ways that you find is the best way for you to stay current on technology on. Yep. It's been a little harder in the pandemic, but I really, I love, um, conferences. I love really geeking out at conferences, good old fashioned, taking notes, sitting, listening to speakers. Um, the American Diabetes Association has still had their annual meetings, even virtually. So, um, this past summer I was able to attend that virtually and, you know, you, you, everything changes. I mean, in a heartbeat, like day to day, there's research constantly. So I try to do at least one or two conferences a year where if it's not in person, it's at least virtually where I'm physically actively listening to a speaker in live time and taking notes and absorbing. Um, and, and again, ADA often does like late breaking researches and things like that research studies that are coming out from there. I have like some favorite publications that I like to read monthly. Um, and then it's just constant online stuff. And I do have to remind myself that it's okay also to like read a book that isn't medical, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, again, I, I don't want to miss anything. And of course I, I, I really don't have any ego about it. So if somebody says to me, Hey, have you heard? And I haven't heard, I will research that immediately. So I do take a lot from colleagues and patients and yeah, what did you hear and what's going on? And let's look into this and does this apply to you? And so, yeah, I mean, it is always evolving um, as it should be. Hopefully we need new stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, and I do think that's partly my personality. I loved being a student. Um, So I really do like to attend things if I can. That's kind of my favorite. Yeah. Well, and I know that, that your, your approach on that is completely helped me. And when I, before I say this, let me be clear, this is not medical advice for anyone. This is, this maybe is a conversation to have with your medical providers. 
but you and I had talked about intermittent fasting a couple of years ago. And I remember that you had obtained the information from uh, a dietitian who specializes mm-hmm. in diabetes. So first of all, to me, that is a huge like ding, ding, pay attention to what this person's doing because you know that there's an opportunity to learn from other people. So when someone thinks they can't learn, that means their ego's in the way. It's just not a good choice. Mm-hmm. But that has been huge in managing my blood sugars. Yeah, it's been huge. wonderful. Yeah, and, and again, things like that, you know, they emerge. And you and I have talked about this before. You know, we'll say things in our visits like, oh, that looks like it could be helpful. Or it looks like what I can see right now is that it's helping these patient populations. Or if you come in and I say, oh, I just found out that a con to this is this, or somebody reported a negative thing to this. So again, things change. We learn more as we research things and study things and get better data. Um, And so, yeah, I love things like that. And I love going to my colleagues who maybe have tried something before me. I tend to not like to guinea pig my own patients first. If something is new, I'm like, oh, have you tried that? Let me know how that goes. And then I can tap into like some real life scenarios that people are, are having with people without merely testing my own people out. But um, so, yeah, so things like that are I'm glad it's, it's been helpful for you. I mean, things like that are exciting when you can sort of take, those were like animal mice studies with the intermittent fasting. You take those animal studies and apply them to the human trials. And now, you know, you have people that are successfully, you know, getting healthier or losing weight with something like that. It's great. Yeah, it's great. And let me also put another disclaimer in there is that if I am in my fasting period, if I have a low blood sugar, it's a medical emergency, it's automatically treated the fast breaks. Oh, well there's always another day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to cause yourself harm from that. Absolutely not. No, and we've not talked a little bit about, yes, you will cause yourself harm if you don't yes, treat it. That's yes, you have to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the time, um, I think dieting is one example where there are so many choices. I mean, sometimes you're battling a diagnosis or something that has one clear path. And when people are trying to lose weight or get healthy, there's a lot of choices for that, Mm -hmm. which can be a good thing, or it can be very overwhelming. Um, And so, you know, again, just trying to pick something that matches the patient best. It's not a cookie cutter approach for everybody. I think that goes back to your point though, is that you realize that because you listen mm-hmm. and if people, right. if you're then, if you're not being heard, then that, that might be a little bit of a, a red flag. That is this a good person for you to be with? Are you right. meshing? Or are you not meshing? Right. Exactly. Right? I mean, you should be able to really, in theory, have a pretty frank conversation without fear of judgment or I mean, because some things are super uncomfortable to talk about. Of course. I mean, yeah. But yeah, the body's weird. Oh, it's so (laughs) weird. (laughs) It does weird things. And sometimes very unpredictable. (laughs) Very bad timing. (laughs) But Angela, I I really, I I can't thank you enough first for being on Mom Treading Water. Thank you for joining us. You're so welcome. Especially as an awesome mom yourself. Well, and kudos. I love, I love your podcast. So thanks for having me on. I love it. Thank you, Angela. And Angela, really, please folks, if you're listening to this, please listen to everything that she's saying. Please, (laughs) 
<laughs> it makes the world, I've been on the other side. I know it makes a world of difference. 27 years of being type one, knock on wood, no real complications. I've never been hospitalized. So I've seen the whole, you know, th- this is what works. Yeah. You have to be heard. I think that's like, I agree with you hundred percent. They're not listening. That's a problem. Move on. (laughs) Move move on. It's okay. You would not hire a plumber who did bad work again. Would you you constantly keep coming up, going back to that person? A very good analogy. No, not because that would be a silly thing. Mm -hmm. This is your plumbing. This is your plumbing. The most important plumbing. (laughs) We need it working. We need need that working, working. right? We need everything to flush and go forward, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And I I hope you'll come back again. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you came on. Thank you for joining us. And friends, thank you so much for listening. If you have not joined our Facebook group, please be sure to do that under Mom Treading Water. Uh, Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Thank you, Angela. And I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye.